Hi there and welcome to Vroom, your motorsport fix with me, Michael Hill. Hello everyone and welcome back to the Vroom podcast. Apologies that we've had a couple of weeks hiatus. Uh, I've been travelling around the world and over to the States uh, for uh, the latest couple of rounds of the Moto America Championship and it was just physically impossible uh, to line up uh, guests over the next couple or rather should I say over the last couple of weeks. Anyway we are back. This is our 60th show and uh, in a few moments time we're going to be chatting to the current leader of the BSB GP2 Championship uh, Cameron Fraser and he's going to be talking to us all about his season, how he got into bikes and uh, some other interesting things as well, including what he does for a day job and a very special drink uh, that he has uh, been uh, working on, which will be launched to the public, uh, available for sale in a couple of weeks time. Before that, let's just give you a quick update of what has been happening. Uh, the world of Formula One, Max Verstappen wins again. Uh, nine consecutive race wins for the Dutch world champion riding, of course, driving, should I say, for the Red Bull team. And he equals the record that was set by uh, Sebastian Vettel. Coming across uh, into MotoGP, uh, the Catalan Grand Prix is on this week and it's Peco Bagnaia who continues to lead the World Championship. Another uh, double victory last time out in Austria and uh, he is looking odds on uh, certainly to retain the title. But there's a long way to go in the MotoGP World Championship. There are a few changes and a few uh, announcements that have been made, including uh, today. Uh, it is Wednesday. We are recording the podcast on a Wednesday. Marco Bezzecchi will remain with the Valentino Rossi VR46 team next year. He will not move to Pramac Ducati. Uh, Johan Zarco will also not be with uh, Pramac Ducati. He will race next year for the LCR Honda team and Alex Rins will leave the LCR Honda team and he will move uh, to the Yamaha factory team next year. World Superbike, well, we've been in our uh, customary summer break. Uh, they are also back in action, a lot of the riders and teams, uh, with the exception of Yamaha. They're currently uh, testing uh, uh, in Aragon. Uh, as I said, all teams without uh, Yamaha uh, are testing at Aragon. Danilo Petrucci, super quick, quicker than the lap record. Alvaro Bautista, well in the mix as well. But the big, big news from the World Superbike paddock is that Adrian Huertas, the uh, former Supersport 300 world champion, currently running in the Supersport World Championship, the top Kawasaki rider, still just in his early 20s, uh, the very likable Spanish rider. He was uh, drafted in by the Kawasaki racing team and he was third fastest, faster uh, than Alvaro Bautista on the first day of testing uh, in Motorland Aragon. Will we see Adrian Huertas on a factory Kawasaki next year or will he stay in World Supersport? Uh, we don't know, but uh, he certainly impressed a lot of people, me included, uh, in that test uh, at Motorland Aragon. Lots of other riders still without uh, deals signed. We still don't know uh, what is going to happen with Scott Redding. Does he stay at BMW? Does he leave? Who's going to stay at Honda? Lots of rumour and speculation. But again, we have seen, and again, it will be uh, the case this weekend, that Ica Laquona will continue to deputise uh, for Alex Rins on the LCR Honda. Uh, will he stay in World Superbike? Will he return uh, to the MotoGP World Championship. Watch this space. I think we're going to get quite a few announcements, including who will be alongside Alvaro Bautista on that factory Aruba IT Ducati in 2024. We expect an announcement to come in the run-up to the French round at Manicourt, uh, which is in a little over 10 days' time. 
in terms of Moto America, big congratulations to the uh, fresh and lean progressive attack Yamaha. Jake Gagne is now a three-time Moto America Superbike champion. He uh, did the triple at uh, Pittsburgh just last week, and he is now a three-time back-to-back champion. And uh, again, will we see him wildcarding in World Superbike this year? He did in Portimao last year, scored some points. Will he be back with the team in 2023 in Portugal at the end of September? Well, again, we don't have too long to wait, so let's wait and see with regards to that. World Supersport again, is being dominated, as we know, by Nicola Bouliger. He can put one hand firmly on the championship in Manicourt and can potentially, depending on what happens in France, wrap up the championship uh, next time out. Keeping things super sport, Xavi Forrest has won eight races in Moto America. He also now just needs a couple of points next time out at the Circuit of the Americas uh, to wrap up his first Moto America championship and become the second European, uh, obviously Tony Elias winning in Superbike. He would become the first European uh, since Tony to win. Uh, a championship in Moto America. Uh, Also, keep your eyes out if you are following Moto America, and again, you can do on MotoAmericaLivePlus.com. Keep your eyes out on the uh, Belgian Levy Baddy, a former rider in the Blue Crew Championship alongside World Superbike. He is currently fighting for the top three in the uh, Junior Cup Series, and he could become the first European uh, to finish inside the top three overall in Moto America in the Junior Cup Championship. So uh, keep your eyes out. Uh, for Levy. Uh, Very, very quickly before we uh, uh, welcome Cameron onto the show, talking about BSB, uh, championship is wide open, isn't it? After the last round at Cadwell Park, a double win for Glenn Irwin, a win for Tommy Bridewell and uh, less than 20 points between them uh, as the series moves into the final three rounds. Uh, Also Kyle Ride in the mix, Jason O'Halloran, Leon Haslam, still mathematically, I think 14 riders mathematically could still win the British Superbike Championship. So we're all to play for there. Right, that's enough of me waffling on. We are going to get ready to uh, welcome our first and only guest for this very special 60th show on the Vroom podcast. It is time to uh, welcome Cameron Fraser. Well, as I said in the intro, a uh, real treat for our 60th show. Uh, We're joined by uh, Cameron Fraser, who is uh, having a runaway uh, success in uh, the GP2 Championship this year. You may have been watching and uh, he currently leads that championship. So, uh, Cameron, uh, I know we've been trying to get you on the show for uh, probably about the last year. And it's it's my fault because I'm always traveling around and uh, we didn't want to record you uh, uh, with me in in some uh, airport bathroom or uh, hotel lounge or whatever it was so we thought we'd dedicate some proper time and uh, now we've got you on the show so uh thanks for joining us no thank you thank you very much for having me it's uh it's great i listen to a lot of podcasts uh you know through the day so it's uh, exciting to be be taking part in one and yeah as you mentioned it's been it's been a great year so far uh in the gpt championship within within british super sport i think we've had a you know we had a solid start to the year we've been really consistent throughout this year um, and yeah, there's only there's only three rounds left, so we're hoping to to wrap up the championship uh, fairly soon. Obviously, a lot of our listeners, we've got probably more than I think fifteen, sixteen thousand subscribers now on the show, which is crazy. I mean, why anybody would want to tune in and listen to me talking absolute bollocks <laughs> twice a month is beyond me. But uh, we are obviously grateful for the, uh, the supporters and, and, and the listeners. Uh, some of the listeners obviously may not be familiar uh, with your name and obviously your your background. And we'll talk a little bit about how you got into racing, but. 
as a man that does love st- uh, statistics, I've got to say, what a phenomenal season. Um, GP2, of course, runs alongside or within um, the Supersport Championships. It's a slightly different uh, setup to some of the other uh, domestic championships around the world. But in essence, it is a Moto2 machine um, is what you're riding, isn't it? Exactly. So um, we're basically on yeah, a Moto2 machine. It's a 600cc Yamaha R6 engine. Uh, it differs slightly from the sort of Grand Prix paddock motors that you see uh, in World Championship at the minute. Um, but yeah, so our chassis is is a chassis factory. Um, it's all bespoke, all custom built, uh, and then it's basically got the the underworkings of, uh, of a Yamaha R6. So I think just to give you a bit of context with uh, how much the bike weighs, it's I believe 149 kilograms dry. So it's a little bit lighter than than the Supersport machines that you see in, in the Supersport class. Um, we're obviously allowed to run slicks. Previously, that also used to be uh, the case where the Supersport bikes, they'd be on uh, the treaded tyres and we'd be on the slicks. But with recent changes to the regulations and things like that, uh, we're now all on slicks. Uh, and our sort of main advantage really is is in the lightweight uh, size of the, the machinery as well as uh, the aerodynamics and, and things like that. Excellent. And as I said, obviously, me being a, a big lover of statistics, obviously, in the, the work that I do in different championships, as I say, a phenomenal season. Um, I think I've got this right. Four wins, 10 second places, uh, never finished lower than third. I mean, it doesn't get much better than that, does it? No, so it has it has been a great, a great year, as you mentioned, with the four victories. Um, it's been quite competitive this year with, with Harry and Harvey also competing on the same machinery as I am. Uh, and then we've had Joe Collier on, on the Kramer machine. And to be fair to Joe, he's also had a very strong year when when he's finished the races as well as, um, you know, he's been competing at the front and and quite high up overall in Supersport. Uh, so coming off the, the back of Cadwell, unfortunately for him, he sustained a slight injury. Uh, and that means that he then didn't take part in, in Saturday's race. So it's a bit of a shame because we've sort of been going toe-to-toe uh, for most of the year. Um, but with the injury, it meant that it was sort of me, Harry and Harvey going going head to head at Cadwell. But yeah, as you say, it's been a very consistent year. Um, we've had a lot of good results, especially in the wet. That's been a, a challenge for me in the past is going quick in the wet. But this year in, in the wet races we've had, still managed to put it on the podium. So so overall, yeah, it's been, it's been a solid year. Obviously, as you said, just a couple of rounds left in, in BSB. Um, obviously, the Superbike Championship in BSB is going down to the wire. That's certainly hotting up after the wins, obviously, in the last round at Cadwell from uh, from Glen Irwin. And uh, obviously, lots of movements as well for next year. We just heard this morning that uh, Jason O'Halloran is going to join Max Cook next year. So there's lots lots going on there. Um, keeping it, obviously, on yourself and, and, and your championship, are you starting to think about the championship now? I mean, you've kind of got one little pinky on it, haven't you? I mean, you, you, you're kind of touching it. It's almost there. Yeah, so we've got a 64-point lead at the minute. But I think very much at this stage, it's still treating it race by race. There's six races left. I want to go out there and enjoy every one of them uh, and obviously try and win every one of them. So uh, we'll just have to see what the weather does at uh, the next few rounds. Uh, just keep doing what I'm doing, um, try and enjoy it and try and go quick. Um, and then hopefully the rest will just sort itself out. Yeah, so again, no pressure, but mathematically, you could win it at the next round, potentially, right? Potentially, yeah. Uh, so I think with 64 points, yeah, it'd be something like that. Um but as I mentioned, yeah, race by race, you can't always think too much into these things. Otherwise, um, you start getting, I don't know, a little bit too wrapped into it. Whereas I think the main objective is just go out, have fun, 
uh, and try and win as many as we can. You see, ladies and gents, I tried. We've got thousands of listeners around the world. I'm, I'm trying to get some some reaction, but he's he's not moving. He's he's so focused. He's so on it. I mean, j- joking aside, though, obviously, I think you're approaching it the right way. We hear a lot of riders talking about the mental side of the sport, and that. I mean, I don't know you so well, but I have known you over the years, and and you you certainly don't seem to struggle on that side. You seem quite a level-headed young man. You seem quite switched on, and you, you don't seem to be flustered by things that's going on around you when you're on the bike, which is that can only be a good thing. Yeah, I, th- I think so. So, I mean, outside of of uh, race weekends, I do work with a sports psychologist called Simon. Um, we've done a lot of work over the sort of past two years, in particularly, and it all started from back in 2020 when we had our, our COVID year. I ended up having a, a really, really big crash uh, in at the start of the year in testing, um, and I basically wrote off the bike uh, before the year even started. Um, it obviously cost a lot of money, and then. I think from that point onwards, it took me a little bit to to get back in the flow of things. Uh, so one thing working with him was establishing, you know, if you are to have a crash like that again, how do you overcome it? From from my side, I think it was more the the financial implications that the crash had on me, and the fact that I thought, well, if I have another massive crash like that, then it could be you know career over, it could be season over, what have you. So we we've done a lot of work uh, over that sort of time just to to make sure if something like that does happen again, then you've got the right mindset, you've got the the parameters in place to really um, strive forward. And, then, and again, that's something I'm still regularly in contact with him. Um, and yeah, even this year, we've got that mindset where it is race by race, um, making sure we enjoy it because at the end of the day, that's why we do this. We do it for the pure love, the passion and, and the enjoyment. And I think if you get too wrapped up into you know championships and, and what you want to do, then it can take that enjoyment out of it. So I think that's probably one of the, the really key things. Yeah, no, I like that. I like that a lot. And obviously, you talk, it's interesting that you mentioned the financial implications. And obviously, again, I spend a lot of my time out, out of the UK in different championships. And, and it's not cheap to go racing, is it? This, you know, I think a lot of people on the outside, they don't realise the financial implication. Also, the time as well. You know, you're not just turning up on a Friday morning, riding a bike and going home on a Sunday. There's a lot of other work that goes into to being a motorcycle racer at a national level. And certainly when you get further up the, the chain and get into world championships, it's even more so. So from the financial side, are you you have you have sponsors or it's it's you're also funding this yourself? How how is how is it working in that regard? Yeah, so it's a mixture of both. Um I mean my mum and dad, they've been my biggest sponsor, you know, throughout my life. Uh, so you know, a lot of the credit and where we got to today has got to go down to them. Um partly myself. So I work full time outside of uh, outside of racing. Uh, and then we do also have some some very good uh, sponsors that have been with us for years. So yeah, it's a combination of all all of the above, really. Um, it'd be great to have sort of one massive sponsor that could you know potentially just uh, take a lot of the costs away. But because we love it, there's there's a reason we do it, and there's a reason we put all you know all the money that we earn into it, basically. Uh, but yeah, I'd say it's it's a combination of all of those things. Yeah, and well, I guess mum and dad must be super. When they're going to be proud of you, whether you're winning or not, right? Because you're you're, you're, their, you're their little boy, whatever. I mean, how old are you now? Actually, you're not actually. I was going to say you're not that young. But that's going to sound wrong on the podcast. I'm not saying you're ancient, but you know, uh, you, you have been racing for a few years, haven't you? Yeah. So I started. I mean, arguably, I came to the sport a little bit late. So I started when I was 11, 12, and that was starting in the grassroots sort of mini moto. Um, and then from that point, I think it was good coming to the sport at that age because. We already had a little bit of maturity, uh, which I think helped me move up the classes fairly quickly and, and find success in the, the classes early on. Um, 
But yes, yeah, so we started on the the whole Minimoto scene. We then quickly progressed up to the Metrokit 70s, the little GP 70s on the karting tracks. That was with, with Fab Racing and and a lot of the riders that I'm riding with today, uh, they all came through that sort of uh, grassroots as well, which which is quite nice to see all of them still doing it as well. Um, and then from there, we sort of went into the the Aprilia Super Teens Championship, where a lot of former famous riders like Casey Stoner, Cal Crutchlow. All of them have sort of come through. And then my sort of breakthrough year was 2015 in the uh, the KTM Cup, where it was the first year of the championship running. Um, and again, a couple of really good riders were in the championship that year, but we managed to come away with, with the championship. And similar to, to how the season's going now, really, we had a lot of consistent results. We got some race wins. And I think out of the 20 races within the championship, we, we finished on the podium in 16 of them. Wow. So, it's a similar sort of consistency to what we're seeing now, which, um, as as Larry always says to me when I'm on the podium, it's it's points makes prizes. So you know you win as many races as you can, but at the end of the day, sometimes you do have to settle for for you know second or third if that's the best you can do on the day. Yeah, and that's funny. I mean, we saw that, didn't we? Was it 20? Uh, I'm gonna get this wrong. Yeah, 2019 when when Alvaro Bautista in World Superbike just sort of came into the championship and won the first 11 races and just was winning, winning, winning. And everyone's like, the championship's gone. And at the end of the season, Jonathan Ray was the world champion. And I say it all the time and I get assassinated on Twitter. I'm like, it's not always the fastest rider that wins the world championship. It's the most consistently fast. And people argue with me every single day on social media. I'm like, but that's the reality. You know, arguably you could say that Alvaro was the fastest rider in 2019, but he lost the championship. He made mistakes. He crashed out of races and Jonathan just kept picking up the points and ultimately overturned probably the biggest point swing in, in World Superbike history. So it's no, I think it's it's absolutely right. You've got to finish uh, to finish first. I mean, we're seeing that now also with, with Tommy Bridewell, aren't we? Um, bring it back into the BSB championship where at Cadwell at the weekend, a couple of races, you think, wow, what's what's happened? The wheels have fell off. But he picks up the points, comes to the last race, wins again, and just reminds everybody that he's still there. But looking at what he did on the first couple of races, you would have kind of gone, it's all slipping away from him. So it's, you know. Exactly. And it was it was the same at Thruxton. Um, all the Ducatis sort of seemed to struggle, and it was all the Yamahas at the front of the field. Um, but you look at a ride like Tommy, and he was just picking the points. It might not have been first, second, or third, but he was still always in the mix. So I think, as you say, it is just a case of, uh, finishing all the races you can uh, throughout this year. I've, one thing I've always been keeping in the back of my head, especially in the, like the rain conditions, is just pushing uh, as hard as you can, but then not doing anything silly. So it's 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 finding that fine balance to make sure you're you're where you need to be, but then also um, you know you're not taking too many risks. Yeah, no, absolutely. I want to talk to you a little bit about other championships, but I'm, I'm quite interested as well. Just so obviously one of the things we try to do on this podcast is, is really just let people see underneath the visor, you know, take the helmet off and let's strip it down and let's actually get to know the riders properly, you know, away from racing. So you mentioned that you're working sort of full time. And I know from speaking to you a little bit um, over the last couple of weeks, obviously gearing up for this, that you're commuting back and forward from the Midlands in the, in, in the UK down into London. So just just tell us what you what's your day job? What, what, what do you do on a, on a daily basis? Sure. So, yeah, outside of racing, uh, I work for a company in London. Um, as you mentioned, I do a you know commute maybe twice a week where I, where I go into London uh, for my actual job. But it's flexible in the sense that I do work from home on the rest of the, the day. So uh, it allows me to, to train pretty much every single day. 
obviously having weekends and things like that off again it enables me to train and, and pr- prepare for the season um but as you know racing is is an expensive gig and uh we want to do it so you got to do whatever you can really to, to try and fund it so i've pretty much finished uni uh two three years ago um walked straight out of uni straight into a full-time job um on top of obviously racing and, and training and everything else yeah and, and what is the job i mean without going into too much detail if you can't and i maybe maybe ladies and gents he's working for like mi5 and that's why he's being so secretive <laughs> maybe he's got this uh this this super cool job yeah, no, I'm an MI6 agent, so I can't really go too much. That's it. Can't, ever. can't divulge <laughs> it. Not even on the podcast. I have 60 episodes in, and I've been promising that we're going to have an exclusive at some point, and you've just dashed dashed everybody's hopes, mate. We've been building up to this point, and you just smashed them to the floor. But uh, if, only I was, if only I was that cool. Uh, it's just a, a sales job. Uh, so I sell a service that, um, that a lot of large corporate organizations, consulting companies, technology companies, all of them utilize, uh, and I basically just try and tell them how good it is and, and hope they buy it excellent no i like that i, I didn't, didn't fair bit of sales in my time it's there's no such thing as just a sales job no, not at all <laughs> not at all um something else that i'm also wanting to touch on uh, and i want to say a big public thank you to uh, to cameron and to his business partner because you've also got another little side gig that, that is going on which i think is super cool um and my mom my mom did as well because my mom's a big gin drinker so you made her day because she she rang me uh, last week i was just coming back from moto america in, in the states and she went something's arrived for you and i've opened it and i'm so sorry and it had your name on it but we opened it anyway and i'm like what is it and she's like oh it's cans of gin but like we don't understand what it is because we didn't order it but and i was like yeah don't worry about it mom it's it, it's this new uh sort of and i'm gonna get this wrong so it's probably better that you explain it but my understanding is that what you have done is you've produced a new um drink which is gin based but it's combining also protein if i've got that right i did try to i, I did read the can but it was so bloody good that i just kept drinking it but i mean um that, that's it's kind of it's, it's kind of a niche a niche market but it's it's the first combination drink if i, I think if i've understood it right yeah exactly so uh the drink itself is gin based and then it's basically uh combined with sort of raspberry strawberry flavorings and, and sparkling water um so it's known as a hard seltzer so i know you've you've worked out in america you know for the, a few years uh hard seltzers are obviously huge over there and it's uh, a concept that's trending a little bit more over here in the uk still yet to get off the ground um uh, yeah so Myself and, and business partner Ben, uh, it was actually uh, in university where we sort of came up with the idea. Um, one time we were out on a, a night out and we just thought we train a lot. We're, we're both high level athletes and we thought there's nothing sort of out there that provides at least some sort of benefit. So rather than like having a, a protein shake before you go on a night out, for instance, why can't you combine that with what you're drinking when you go on a night out. So that's where the idea came from. Um, we've been developing the recipe for the last sort of two years. Uh, and we're at a point now where we've produced our first 2000 cans with a, a drinks development company. And hopefully it will be it'll be ready to, to sell within the next couple of weeks. So if anyone's listening and, and they would like to find out more about the product, uh, you can find it, you can find us on Instagram at, at gindrinksuk. Um, or you can also that's our, our handle on all social media platforms and at the same time if you want to look at the website it's just gindrinks.co.uk spelt g-y-n 
Yeah, I was just actually frantically, uh, I know people can't uh, see on Zoom, but I'm frantically trying to look on my Instagram because I was I knew that the spelling was different, but you've just kind of uh, explained what it was. So, uh, yeah, I think it's super cool. I think it's really, really, really cool. And I also quite like the fact that, you know, you're out there, you're racing, you're putting your own money into it as well as everything else. You're working full time. You kind of got your finger in a few little pies. Um, and I, I think it's great. And I think the concept is great. And as you said, you know, hard seltzer has certainly come in from 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 the U.S., if it takes off, which I'm sure it will, because it, it tasted really good as well. I mean, um, I mean, we could we could see you on Dragon's Den, little investment from Deborah Mead or somebody, and away we go. That would be bloody good, wouldn't it? That would be awesome. That, that is what everyone, all our friends and stuff say, oh, we can see you going on Dragon's Den in the future. So, yeah, we'll see. Maybe um, Deborah Mead has some, some money you know, waiting for us. We'll just have to see on that one. But uh, I sort of didn't mention that the, the USP of our product is the fact that it's got 10 grams protein in, um it's gin based so it's you know five percent abv um we've got a range of vitamins and minerals in there uh, it's it's all with the idea of you can't really say combining you know alcohol and health because you're not really allowed to do that but you know it's making that association that hopefully you can get something out of drinking an alcoholic drink it doesn't have to just be bad for you in that in that essence. i like it you can just get hammered in a healthy way Get, get basically yeah. there you go get hammered healthy there you go that's your tagline i'll just take get hammered healthy get hammered healthy i'll just take 25 percent of all your future sales done job sorted maybe five percent <laughs> i like that I, I, yeah but i see I'm, I'm getting you in training now for when you go in front of deborah meaden you see oh uh, yeah exactly you, you might need to have a little moment yeah, you might need to have a little moment talking to the back wall like they all do. I never see the point of that, especially when they go in on their own. I mean, I'm guessing you would go in with your business partner, but it always makes me laugh when you get these single sort of entrepreneurs going into Dragon's Den and then they get these offers and it's like, would you like to talk to the wall? It's like, there's no one to talk to, dude. Like, it's not like you're going just to the back to of the room. Yeah, yeah, you're just talking to yourself. It is quite, it is quite amusing. Um, so you're a big fan of uh, Dragon's Den, The Apprentice and that sort of thing. Sorry, say again? Are you a big fan of Dragon's Den and The Apprentice and that sort of thing? Yeah, do you know what? I do. I watched The Apprentice. I got to say, the last the last series of The Apprentice, um, I wasn't a big fan. I, I feel like maybe The Apprentice is it needs to be like maybe re regurgitated or re relaunched in some way because I feel like they do the same kind of things. And and now I feel that they're kind of just making it more into a into a reality show, you know. And some of the candidates, I'm like, really, like that, that's the best they could do of the whole of the year. So some, you know. I find it a bit, you know, whatever. But at Dragon's Den, I do really like because um, I think you get such a variety of of ideas, and you know, and there's and there's actually been some motorcycle related products in there, hasn't there? I remember, I don't know, maybe I mean, you're probably not old enough to remember, but remember maybe five or six years ago there was um, is it Kiddy Moto, the little wooden motorbikes? The guy from who designed them, he was on Dragon's yeah, Den. Yeah, something like that. I, I, yeah, I think it was Kiddy Moto. Yeah, and I think. I've seen some of his stuff around the BSB paddock, so I think um, they must have done must have done all right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, some of, and also some of the inventions that they that some of these people come up with are actually quite genius, you know. And then I've I've been in Wix. I'm actually, I'm in, just in the middle of actually doing a house renovation in the north of the UK, and you, it was into Wix and and B and Q, and you see some of the things. And I'm like, oh, and they've got the little sticker on as seen on Dragon's Den. And, you know, I mean, that's a huge endorsement, though, isn't it? I think it's pretty cool. No, I mean, I think it is good. It is good. Yeah. You know? Maybe yeah, you'll see me on there one day with uh, with Jen. Who knows? Yeah, that'd be cool. That'd be super cool. Are, are you thinking of kind of going into any other um, any any other spirits? Like, I'm a big rum drinker as well. I really like rum, so uh, maybe that's the maybe that's the second the second one. 
potentially we've we've always getting ideas thrown at us as to which avenues we could go down. I think first first and foremost is um getting this flavor and this first product that we've launched, getting that nailed on, then trying to branch out into a few other flavors. Um and then I'm quite keen to get a non-alcoholic version produced. Um like because that. I think we could we could ramp up the amount of protein we're putting in the drink. Um and again, most protein shakes you'll drink probably have 40 grams protein in, but they're really thick. They don't always taste that great. So if we can make, you know, a 250 mil can with 25 grams protein in, for instance, I think we'd, we'd be onto a, a winner. Yeah. And of course, you've got the perfect vehicle for marketing, right? Just stick it on the side of the bike. A hundred percent. If uh, if anyone's seen my bike around the paddock, you'll see gin hard protein. That's our sort of strap line. You'll see that on my bike and... Uh, yeah, as whatever advertising opportunity we can use to get it out there, that's you got to take what you can. Especially with myself being a rider, um, my business partner Ben, the first thing he said was that right, we need to plaster it all over your bike, all over your leathers, everywhere. So yeah, yeah. Uh, it's got to be done. Um, really. So what does he do, um, Ben? Because he's also an athlete. Is he a racer as well, or no? So he's we sort of connected at university. Um, we train a lot in the gym together. And uh, he used to play football to quite a high level. Uh, so that's his sort of background. Um, okay. And yeah, I guess because we're both very active, I think he still plays football quite a bit now, but it's more like your five-a-side and your Sunday league type thing. Yeah. Um, but that's sort of how we connected over this idea. And then uh, and then again, we, as I mentioned, we used to train a lot in the gym and, and that's where the sort of, uh, I guess, drive to, to bring this idea to life came from. No, I love that. I think it's great. You know, you'll have to keep us informed of of, of how it's going and stuff. And, uh, and 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 definitely, I mean, I know you've sent me some cans for free, which I appreciate. And once it's available to buy, I'll I'll be buying some. So uh, you, you've definitely got a you definitely got a customer uh, here for sure. Um, obviously, just conscious of time. And, and as I said, this is our 60th episode, uh, which is a special episode for us. Uh, again, just prior to to welcoming you on the show, we did a bit of an introduction, and uh, obviously want to cover as many bases as possible. So many championships around the world, two and four wheels whether it be formula one indy cars british touring cars we're all getting into that kind of part of the season now aren't we where championships can be won and lost um as we are recording now it's kind of half past three on a on an afternoon here in the uk and there's a test going on in in uh, motorland aragon with world Superbikes, which um i don't know if you saw some of the, the footage from there yesterday um danilo petrucci is currently the fastest in that test he's quicker than the lap record um, Adrian Huertas, um, a bit like yourself, who over the last four or five years has steadily been progressing through the ranks through the Spanish Championship and into Supersport 300, into Supersport. He was actually given a test yesterday on the Kawasaki racing team um, instead of uh, Jonathan Ray and, and, and Alex Lowe's um, riding. Huertas got the ride and he was third fastest yesterday on his Superbike oh, really? debut. So. I know people say all the time, oh, but we need more racing in World Superbike. We have this big summer break, but it allows for things like this where we get mid-season tests with new names coming in. Obviously, we've just finished BSB weekend. You had a great weekend. Um, that championship's going down to the wire. Moto America's just been sort of signed off. Obviously, Jake Gagne um, now is a three-time Moto America championship. Where, where do you sit with with all of these other championships um, around the world, obviously your focus is on is on GP two. But do you do you get time to to watch sort of World Superbike and Moto America and and obviously Moto GP? Yeah, hundred percent. I like watching all the championships. Um, it's a shame over here that we can't. It's quite hard to watch Moto America because I know there's not a, a huge field out there in the Superbike class, but there is still quite a, a lot of riders, which it'd be good to you know keep progress on. Um, so it's a shame we can't really see too much. But then. 
I do really like the Moto America Instagram channel they have. They've got loads of good reels. They've got loads of content. Um, so it's good to keep updated on there. But yeah, in terms of, you know, watching MotoGP, uh, whenever that's on, I'll be there watching it Friday, Saturday, Sunday on on uh, TNT Sports. Um, it's great to see. I think this year, Jake Dixon, he's had quite a strong year, obviously getting the win in Assen. That was really nice to see. Uh, and hopefully he can win a couple more races this year. And he's obviously back with the same team for next year. Yeah. So I think we're all rooting for him to get that championship and, and maybe even get the step up to MotoGP. But any sort of British riders, uh, I think the whole UK is behind like Rory Skinner. He's obviously recently made the move to to Moto2 as well. I think he's had a bit of a challenging year, but I think he's definitely got the talent to to stay in there. And it's good that he's got another year next year to, to hopefully prove himself and, and get further up the front. Yeah, and it's interesting what you said. I actually did a, a podcast for Moto America. My last Moto America of the season was last week in Pittsburgh and I actually was a guest on, on their podcast. And we were talking a little bit about, obviously, from their perspective, looking at the likes of Garrett Gerloff and Sean Dylan Kelly and, and obviously Cambovier being in Moto2, coming back across um, into into Moto America this year and, and sort of how difficult it is for riders when they move from a particular category. You know, you mentioned Rory Skinner. You know, you mentioned Jake Dixon. And they're not instantly going to go and be quick. You know, and I said that on a podcast about Sean Dylan Kelly or even with Cambobia. It's like people expect because they're a five-time or six-time Moto America champion on a super, sp- or a super bike or on super sport as well, that you're going to make that transition. And it's like you're comparing apples with bananas, guys. Like you people sat on the sofa have no concept of what it's like. And even coming to race in Europe, even with Rory, he's British. Most of the team will speak English. But traveling around Europe and around the world, is very different. I know it just as a broadcaster and a, as a presenter, you know, the way that you live life in a, in a world championship paddock is very different to BSB. And it doesn't mean that one's better or worse. It's just that they're different and you need time to adapt. So are you sort of, I guess, as, as a young rider as well, you know, maybe looking to make that next step? Are you are you surprised that sort of a lot of the, the fans in the UK have that kind of mentality? Or did you not really see that? Maybe I see it differently because I'm a presenter and I get to see the way that they interact in the paddock maybe i'm seeing it different yeah so i think it's it is especially difficult when you come from british championship you look at all the spanish championships they're they're riding motor threes they're they're riding these these high level machinery at such a young age so especially coming from the the british bike paddock it it does make it very difficult Uh, and motor two as as a class of its own is so difficult you've got all the different tires with obviously you're going from Pirelli's to Dunlops if you're going from Superbikes to to Motor 2 World Championship the the chassis are so stiff so rigid whereas you're coming from again a a British Superbike which the chassis will give you a lot of feedback it has a lot of flex the Pirelli tyres again I think are quite user-friendly whereas going from all of that to then Motor 2 in World Championship you're against the best riders in the world it's going to be very difficult Um, I think time will tell and with someone like Rory, I do believe that he will make his way towards the front. As we've seen with Jake Dixon, um, Rory's got a little bit of pedigree from from his time out in CEV um, and coming through the Red Bull Rookies and things like that. Whereas Jake came you know, straight from British Superbikes and the fact he's been able to do it, I believe that someone like Rory has, has equal opportunity as well. And hopefully that will pave the way in the future again for them to, to make the jump to MotoGP because at the minute we don't have any British riders in there. It'd be great to see one of them make the step in maybe the next couple of years. 
Yeah, totally, totally agree. Uh, again, just conscious on time, so very, very quickly before we let you give a, a sort of a social media plug, again, one of the reasons that we do this podcast, myself and Gareth, is to kind of shine the spotlight onto the up-and-coming talents around the world. So we want to give you a moment to do that. But very, very quickly, um, just one name. Who is going to win the MotoGP World Superbike and BSB Championships? So MotoGP, I think it's fairly obvious that Pekka Bangyaya, he's he's been the strongest rider all year he's been the strongest rider on the Ducati it's been nice to see him be challenged by the likes of Marco Pizzecchi and Jorge Martin and, and the other likes of it but yeah I think he's he's been the strongest most consistent rider this year so I think he'll win um World Superbikes uh, again I think Alvaro he's a bit like last year the Ducati's been the strongest package in the World Superbike Championship uh, again it's been nice to see top rack challenge and it's a shame maybe Jonathan Ray's not had the, the strongest of bikes this year because I, I believe if he was on the equal machinery as the other two, I think he'd be up there as well. So that would be my World Superbike prediction. Um, BSB is actually probably the toughest of them all to call um, because Brywell's been really strong this year. You've got the likes of Carl Ride. He's been very strong this year. Glenn Irwin, very strong. But I think based off how the year's gone so far I think I'd go with uh, Tommy Bridewell uh, and it'd be nice to see because I think Tommy's had he's had some tough years over the last few years so to see yeah. him at the sharp end you know week in week out and potentially taking the title home I think that'd be that'd be nice to see Absolutely. Well, we've got less than 90 seconds. So as I said, uh, Cameron, as uh, you've been a great guest. I mean, I could talk for another 90 minutes. You know what I'm like? I get paid by the word, right? So, uh, uh, but I think, you, I think you've given me a run for my money with, uh, with, with the way that you've answered a lot of the questions. It's, you've been a great guest. How can people listening follow you? Uh, so you can follow me on all social media platforms. Instagram is Cameron Fraser 66 Twitter, Cameron Fraser 66 TikTok, Cameron Fraser 66 uh, Facebook is just Cameron Fraser Racing. And then as well, if you want to look at all my sort of photos throughout the year, any race reports, then you can go over and check my website out at www.cameronfraserracing.com. Excellent stuff. Well, like I said, uh, I tell you what. Whenever you decide to quit racing, you, you've got a you've got a job as a as a broadcaster. I mean, uh, you, you speak uh, you speak very very eloquently. So, uh, good luck for the rest of the season, uh, young man. Uh, keep me informed with all the uh, the gym drinks uh, as well, and uh, I look forward to catching up you, with you at uh, a track at some point before the end of the season. Amazing. Well, thank you very much for for letting me come on your podcast today. It's very much appreciated. And yeah, maybe I'll tap tap you up in the future for a, a co-host commentary job in the future. <laughs> Great stuff. Thanks, Cam. Thanks, Mike. So that brings to a close our 60th episode here on the Vroom podcast. A big, big thank you to Cameron Fraser. Uh, wish him well for the rest of his uh, British GP2 campaign. And obviously look forward to seeing what he has in store in 2024. I am off to Monza for the Formula One Grand Prix and uh, very much looking forward to uh, being in a four-wheel paddock for the first time uh, since I was in British Touring Cars and at the Macau Grand Prix many, many years ago. So uh, our next episode will feature two guests and we'll also be giving you a full rundown of everything that's been happening in the world of two and four wheels, plus a very special report from the Italian Formula One Grand Prix in so thanks for tuning in. We look forward to welcoming you back to episode 61 next time.
Vroom. Your Motorsport Fix podcast is produced by Michael Hill and is edited by Gareth Bouch of Vroom Media. The music is by The Rain Dogs and it's a production of Michael Hill Promotions. Thank <laughs> you.